reminded of the verse in the Bible that says that the road is narrow that leads to life and there's many of us in this room today that are wanting to go on the on the road that's easy the big road the one that leads to destruction but God is calling you to a to the road that is narrow and he will help you walk that road because it's not easy by yourself but with Jesus it is possible he is calling you to a life of surrender today he is calling you to a life that follows him, that says, forget the world. Jesus, I am yours. So declare it today. Lift your hands in this place if that is you and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow you no matter where you go. Oh, God, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow you. Even if people hate me, God, I'm still going to follow. No matter who leaves me, Jesus, I will still follow. forsake you that's what the Lord said 
floodgates open up open up the 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 floodgates
we love you. We lift up. We lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up high in our hearts and our minds. We lift you up high, Jesus. Your death, burial, resurrection is so beautiful. We thank you so much for what you did for us. You took our punishment. You took our sins. You took our sorrows. You took our insecurities. You took our fears. You took our worries. You took our perversion. You took, you take everything away in the cross. Jesus, we thank you. Come on. Just think about two or three things you want Jesus to take away. You want to give to Jesus tonight. Tell him, Jesus, take these things away from me. Jesus. Take away the fear of man out of me, Jesus. Jesus, I give you that right now. Jesus. Jesus, I give you perversion. Take that away. I give you the loss of the world, Jesus. Jesus. Come on. Come on.
Holy Father, we ask that your spirit will be strong during the word. I just pray for the anointing of God to be strong in this room. God, we ask that you will come. We ask that hearts will be changed. We ask that your presence will encounter us. God, we just need you so much, God. Holy Father, we're here because we need you. We're in need of you. We're your mere creation, God. God, we're here humbly, God, seeking your face, seeking your word, God. Father, speak to us. Change us tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to Encounter Night. Praise the Lord. Please find your way back to your seats. And say hi to your neighbor, high five and so on. Come on. Bless the Lord Jesus Christ. Main service is here as you're, as you're saying high five and so on. Just um, Our main service is Sunday is 9, 11 a.m. Encounter Night here every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Along with Royal Rangers and Impact Children's Ministry. Friday's Elevate Youth Service. So good to see the children in worship. Praise the Lord. Our vision is loving God, loving people. Can we love God and love people? Please. Jesus has the greatest command. Strategies to connect, mentor, and send, connect you to, to discipleship, mentor you to be a leader, and send you out to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our, our goal is to have 100,000 disciples here in Chicago, 50 in, churches in Chicago, 500 worldwide. Amen. It's happening. God is doing it. Family Fun Night is next Wednesday. Praise the Lord. It's going to be fun. We're going to just, it's going to be pretty special. We, please invite all your friends, invite all your families. We wanna, we want, we're gonna play the movie The Passion of the Christ here. Um, usually, we just have like the uh, also along with the uh, games and all the events um, activities we got back there. But we're not gonna make that happen. Only like one or two things. Um, but we just want to make it about the movie Passion of the Christ. We want to make this a theater pretty much. So invite all your friends and families. I'm texting everybody. I'm Facebooking everybody. I'm just like getting everybody out there. You know, we all need Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody out there, you know what drives me about, about drives me to share Jesus? That there's somebody out there that's my brother. There's somebody out there that could be my sister, that could be, that could have been my father and mother when they were younger. And somebody can share the gospel with, with them. And they could have been saved, amen? But my family is not saved. And that's, that's my inspiration. That is my, that, that's what God has given me and has shown me so I can just keep pouring the gospel of Jesus that he died on a cross. That he died on a cross for us so we... We can have salvation, eternal life, amen. That is a serious thing. We just don't come to church for any reason and, and seek God and, and, and just make church a thing. No, we, we want Jesus. We want to make Jesus real to people, amen. Invite your friends, tithes and offerings. We also want to encourage you to, um, well, I'll mention this some other time. Tithes and offerings, 10% of your total girls belongs to God, okay. And offering is uh, whatever you give whatever you get after, after your tie, so you can give to the mission field, it's in need, God put in my heart to give to the mission field, I'm so like, man, there is so much need out there, you think about this, they get together in one little small room, a bunch of people just sitting down in hot weather without no air conditioner, they're in need of Bibles, they're in need of, of, of the two-on-one books, they're in need of one-on-one books, they need Jesus, they need the mentorship, they're seeking to grow, they're hungry for God, and we, 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 we're here, man, I just spent like $27 on lunch with my wife, I could you know what I'm saying? That can go out there and supply so much for them. Amen? Come on, just think about the things that you that, that, that you uh, you put in. So I was walking in the mall today because we are returning some stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, man, all this stuff in this mall are not needed. Sunglasses, shoes, shirts, so many different designs. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just feel like this is sad that people walk around here that America and all these people that have these businesses make so much money out of us. 
And when they wouldn't even need these things. I've been having these shoes for almost two, three years. You know? God supplies the need. Come on, let's keep asking God to just take greed out of our hearts. Because I know I still have greed in my heart, man. And there's a need out there, man. We want to make a difference. So let's just uh, prepare to give. Those who are going to give, I'm going to pray. Let's just ask God to bless you and God to continue blessing me because we need God. Amen. Let's close our eyes. God, we just ask God that you will bless the giver. Those who are giving, Father, um, bless them, favor them in their jobs. God, just lift up the entire body of Christ uh, here in Metro Praise, especially because we're in so much need, Lord God, with the building fund, with the mission field. God, we just ask God that you favor us with jobs, favor people with races, favor people, Lord God, uh, with with uh, with finances, God, so we can be a blessing to your kingdom and further your kingdom, Father God. Please let us let it be the focus of our hearts. Take away greed, Father. Let us always be uh, givers, Lord God. Let us see money always as a tool unto, to bless your kingdom, Lord God. So, God, we ask you, we need you, God, to come through uh, for, th- for this church, God, that is yours, Jesus. So bless the giver, Lord God. Let your kingdom be further as the givers give. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, the drop box is right here back in the sanctuary. There's no one in the student center, and you can give a line as well. I just want to bless you tonight with an awesome brother, the evangelist, Jared Walker. He's going to bring forth the word tonight. It's always exciting to hear him preach. My favorite preacher, one of my favorite preachers. Amen. Here you go, my brother. Amen. How's everybody doing tonight? Amen. You guys are loving Jesus. Everyone turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, I know a lot of you know me. Some of you may not know me or may not be familiar with me. I'm Jared. I'm one of the deacons here. I lead our evangelism and outreach, and I've been saved about four years. I was a sad and mean sinner when God found me. and He's rocked my world. I've never been the same since. God has changed my life. Now married, expecting our first child. And if you knew me back in my B.C. days, you'd think, whoa. You know what I'm saying? Complete transformation. God has been good to me. Tonight we're going to talk about freedom just to while you're in Galatians 5 just to take you through a few scriptures in John chapter 8 Jesus said to those who believe on him he said if you hold to my teaching then you are truly my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 8 verse 36 if the son sets you free you'll be free indeed He says in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, as he's describing his mission, what he's on earth to do, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor and set free the captives. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 says this, The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Someone say freedom. It's a big part of the Christian life. Jesus is a liberator. That was part of his mission, was to set men and women free. And I'm going to unpack that thought throughout the message. We're going to pray for freedom tonight. If you feel like you're in slavery, if you're in bondage, if you're not in control of things, and you need Jesus to set you free, we're going to pray for you. That's what we're here for. But I want to give you a word to build up your faith. How many here believe that Jesus can set you free? Come on. I want to start off just by giving you a few definitions. Now, I didn't get this from the U.S. Constitution. I got this from my study and understanding of the Bible. So this is like a spiritual definition of freedom. Freedom is this, the the ability to serve God with no hindrance. Let me say that again. Freedom is the ability to serve God with no hindrance. That means you can do God's will for your life. 
You can keep God's commands. You can live a holy life. You can please God. You can worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. You can experience His presence. You can have His joy and the peace that passes understanding. All those things. And it just flows freely. There's nothing to get in the way. That's pure freedom right there. An unhindered relationship between you and God. Your love going up to God. God's love pouring down on you with nothing to get in the way. Now we want to give a definition to slavery because slavery is the opposite of freedom, yes? Slavery is the obligation to serve any master besides Christ. I'm going to say that again. The definition, this is a biblical understanding. Slavery is the obligation to serve any master besides Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, you cannot have two masters. You'll love one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he says you can't serve both God and money. But how many know money is just one of many things that we might worship and give our devotion to other than God? See, if you have, if you have a love of money in your life, it's going to make it hard to love God because you're chasing paper. If you have sin in your life, it makes it hard to get in God's presence. If you have unbelief, what about your doubts? You want to worship, you want to do right, you want to read your Bible, but you just have so many doubts. You have addictions. Alcohol or otherwise. That will keep you from God. It's a master. It has you mastered. You are obliged to do the will of what masters you. Ungodly relationships. You love God, but you also love getting some outside of marriage. And that's keeping you from God. That has you mastered. And so many other things. These are hindrances and stumbling blocks to serving God freely. And why is that? Because you want to give Jesus part and he wants whole. He's an all-consuming fire, not an all-tithing fire. I'm going to tithe is 10%. He doesn't want 10%. He wants everything. He deserves everything. Jesus is worthy of your whole heart. So any other master that's competing for the devotion that belongs to Jesus, that makes you a slave. Having those definitions there, I want to make this observance. If you're truly born again, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, by these definitions, slavery is actually an illusion because you have no obligation to serve anyone besides Jesus. Come on, it has no power over you. You have no other master besides Jesus. If you're a child of God, how many know they're saved? Come on, raise your hand. How many know you're saved? How many know you're born again? How many know you have peace with God and forgiveness of sins? How many know that you are born of the Holy Ghost? If so, then, then, then slavery is an illusion. Why? Because nothing should have to master you. So either you don't realize that you're free and you're, just letting, and you're just getting deceived or you're being disobedient because you like this thing and you like getting mastered by sin. You like your addiction. You like your ungodly relationships. Help us, Jesus. I want to give you guys five declarations of freedom. I try to keep these messages short so we can pray more so... You guys pray for me because I'm very long-winded. Help us. Five declarations of freedom. That's why I had you guys turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. First declaration of freedom is freedom from religion. If you are in Christ, you are free from religion. That might shake up somebody and they might say to themselves, I thought religion was what it was all about. I, I thought I signed up for religion. Wrong O. As a matter of fact, I do street evangelism. A lot of people want to be spiritual nowadays. So when I say, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? And they say, oh, that's okay. I'm not that religious. 
You know what I say to them? I'm not religious either. I just love Jesus. Come on, honk if you love Jesus if you, in your imaginary car. Honk, honk if you love Jesus. And you get the bumper sticker. But I just love Jesus. I'm not a religious guy. I don't wear a collar. I don't speak in King James holier-than-thou language. I just have a relationship with God. Let me share with you Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What is this yoke of slavery Paul's referring to? Let me give you a, a, a background. As we talk about religion, we're going to get a brief study. Brother, can you just keep the, the original slide up? Thank you. As we talk about religion, just want to take you through a brief study of Galatians. Paul is writing this letter to the Galatian church. He's addressing a church that's out of order and it's backslidden, and it's got a major problem. See, the Galatians are Gentiles. They are non-Jews. How many non-Jews do we have here? Raise your hand if you're not Jewish. Okay. So they're a Gentile. They're believers in Jesus. And there's this group that's infiltrating, and they're called Judaizers because they're enforcing Judaism on non-Jews. So they're coming in, and they're getting influence. And they're saying to them, hey, you have faith in Christ, but you also need to be circumcised. Snip, snip. Come on. You have faith in Christ, but you also need to have a Jewish diet. You have faith in Christ, but you also need to observe the Sabbath. And you need to observe these feast days or you really don't have Christ. And Paul took it seriously. Galatians 1, 7 and 8, he says they're preaching another gospel and it's not no gospel at all. Gospel meaning good news. It's not good news, it's bad news. And he says, if anyone were to preach a gospel like that, let them be eternally condemned. He's not playing. Why? Because it's polluting your faith and love for Jesus with nasty, dirty religion. Don't get me confused. Doesn't mean we don't do things for God. Doesn't mean we don't go to church. Otherwise, why are we here? And the church has leadership and it has a structure and we have certain traditions. Yes, but the church is called the body of Christ. It's a living organism. It's a global community of people who love God and love each other. And it's beautiful. It's family. It's very unlike religion. And as I take you a little bit through Galatians, I'll show you the things that religion is. We don't have time to go and read the whole text. But in Galatians chapter 2, Paul talks about the time he rebuked Peter, St. Peter. I'm from a Catholic background. No, St. Peter, the guy at the pearly gates. Gets treated. Someone say he got treated. Peter gets rebuked by Paul. Why does Peter get rebuked by Paul? He's allowing himself to come under the influence of Judaizers. Peter, according to his conscience, according to his faith in Christ, has no problems eating with non-Jews. That's not an issue to him. He can do that freely because of what he knows to be true in his heart and what he knows by his relationship with God. But these Judaizers coming around and they start murmuring amongst themselves and he starts thinking, man, what are they going to say? What are they going to do if they see me eating with these people? I better back off. Paul rebukes him. See, if you are religious, you are a slave to the fear of man. You don't have freedom to be yourself. Peter didn't have freedom to do what he knew was right. And he conformed his lifestyle to somebody else's expectations that they made up. They made it sound spiritual. They made it sound pious. They even use a little scripture to back it up, but it's just religion. It's just a dead tradition. 
And like I said, we have traditions. But friend, we're not saved by those traditions. We're saved by faith. Let's read on in verse 2 of Galatians 5. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. And remember, circumcision, a religious act. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. So if you want to circumcise yourself, you better start making animal sacrifices also. Come on. If you want to circumcise yourself, you've got to keep the Sabbath. You've got to do the whole nine. You can't have a cotton polyester blend shirt because you're not supposed to mix two fibers. You've got to keep the whole law. You can't eat shellfish. You can't eat lechon. Hello, somebody. You've got to keep the whole law. And then you're in a bind. That's no way to. <laughs> There's 613 laws. You try to keep those perfectly. Help us, Lord. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Religion is a cover-up, my friend. It's a facade. It's externals. Now, you may have never been to a church where they, where they approach you and say, Hey, man, we see you've been coming to our church for a few weeks, man. You know, I've seen you worshiping, man. That's great. Haven't had a chance to talk to you yet, man. But can I just share with you something? Okay, share. Look, man, if you really want to be serious about God, we've got to circumcise you. Look, we've got a back room. All right. Ted, he has, he has some butterfly scissors. Come on. A lot of paper... Praise God, we've never been to a church like that. So let's make this applicable to us, because they were doing that then. They were trying to apply the Jewish law to those people that, at that time. That's not really applicable to us. But how many know that you can baptize a pig, and it's still a pig? So many have done the sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church. They've been confirmed, and they have no transformation, no changed life. Nothing's different. Religion is a cover-up. Because there's no change of heart and there's no power of God. Look at verse 15, just to give you a taste of a church that's infected by religion. Verse 15 of chapter 5. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Now skip to 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Yes, they had a religious church. And yes, you could have all the appearances of a religious, spiritual, pious person and still have envy in your heart, still be a slanderer, still be a gossip, still pull one man down and walk over his back to get ahead of him. And it's a worldly mentality. It's an ungodly mentality, and it's not the church of Jesus Christ. And friend, we are free from that. It's legalism. It's phoniness. And I'm not here to pick on the Catholics, but man, I went, to, I went, actually it was United Church of Christ. But you go to Catholic, Lutheran, a lot of these churches, and they'll act holy for one whole hour. And then as soon as church lets out, they're smoking cigarettes. It's all an act. And there's no joy in it. Paul, again, a symptom of a religious church, of a religious bunch of people. He says in Galatians 4.15, what happened to all your joy? There's no joy in it. It's just religious lip service doesn't bring you any closer to God. It hurts more than it helps. The good news is this. 
Galatians 3, 26 through 28, just to paraphrase it, says there is no difference between a Jew or a Gentile, a male or a female, a slave or a Greek, if you're Polish or Mexican or whatever. You can be you for Jesus. You Puerto Ricans can be loud for Jesus. You white people can eat your mayonnaise sandwich with the crust cut off for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Polish people, you can eat your pierogies for Jesus. You can be you. In religion, you have no freedom to be you. You have to uh, conform to a certain way of, of living. You have to conform to a certain group's standard that's not God's standard. Jesus Christ gives you the freedom to be yourself. That's why he's saying do not allow yourself to be burdened again. Second declaration of freedom in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Second declaration of freedom is freedom from sin. Come on. Everyone say this with me. I am free from sin. It is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. Let me give you an illustration. Picture a dank, dark, nasty prison. It's dark. There's no sunlight. Human excrement, feces, urine, rats, roaches, you name it. Nasty. Someone say nasty. That's sin. Come on, that's sin. I was in that prison 20 years of my life. When you come to Christ, he flings open the door and says, you're free to go. Do you tell Jesus, give me six more months, Jesus. I need to say my goodbyes. I named the rats. There's Rusty and there's Shelby. I named the rats. I got to say goodbye to them. What will they do without me? You need, to, you need to stay in your sin a little while longer. Help us, Lord. It's freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. How many saw the movie Shawshank Redemption? And there was a man, he spent most of his adult life in prison. He was so used to that lifestyle that he got out and he was an old man. And the world was a different place than when he'd gotten in and, he, he, he just couldn't adjust. He just couldn't cope. He had this little job bag and groceries, this old man. He hung himself because this life, he, he couldn't live outside of prison. Some people can't live outside of sin. They're so used to it. Friend, if you're in a dark place, again, picture in that dungeon, that prison, and it's dark and you haven't seen the daylight for years and Jesus shines light in your eyes, the first instinct is actually going to be to cover your face, to cover your eyes. You'd rather stay in the dark than adjust your eyes to the light. But that's the way that a lot of people live. We shine the light of Jesus, and they hate it. It exposes darkness. It exposes vile deeds. But Jesus says, come into the light. Romans six fifteen. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. Now, we, we think this antonym of slavery and freedom, like Paul is saying, well, you used to be a slave to sin and now you're free. That's not necessarily true. He's not talking about slavery versus freedom. He's talking about slavery versus slavery. The only difference is who is your master. If you're free from sin and free from the old way you used to live, you're not free to do whatever you want. Come on. You have a new master. Listen, I used to smoke cigarettes, Newport hundreds. 
that nicotine had me. Anytime that craving kicked in, I said, yes, master, I went out for a cigarette. I might have ducked out of church service for a cigarette. It had me so. So the old master told me to smoke. I, I used to be a pornography addict. Let's be transparent here and let's make this applicable. I used to be a pornography addict. And any time that lust kicked in, I said, yes, master, and I went away and I defiled myself. Well, no one, was look, where, where no one could see me. Got on the Internet where no one could see me. Deleted my history. Come on. Yes, master. I have a new master. The old master commanded me to do wrong. The new master commands me to do right. Amen? I have a new master now, and he commands me to do the right things, and I say yes to him. Let's read on in verse 19. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them to slavery and righteousness leading to holiness. When you are slaves to sin, you are free from the control of righteousness. So when I was a slave to sin, I had no obligation, or at least I felt I had no obligation to serve God. Now as a Christian, I wake up in the morning. I understand there's certain things I need to do today. I need to pray. I need to get in my word, the Bible. Come on, I need to love my neighbor. I need to live honest. I need to live integrity. And then when situations come up, and I'm faced with a choice. My master tells me to make the right choice. Are you with me? But once upon a time, I felt no obligation to serve God. If I did right, I did it coincidentally. I did it because I wanted to, not because he wanted me to. Either because I saw the benefit of it, come on, or because I wanted to be self-righteous. And I think that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks for these moral good people. You know, they always argue about the, the morally good atheist this bright, sunshiny atheist that I have not met yet. And they always say, well, what about him? Does he go to hell? Yes, he goes to hell. You know why? Because he does good things, but he doesn't do them for God. He does them for himself. He is his own God. Listen, when I was in the world, hey, if I want to read the Bible, see what it has to say, I'll read the Bible. If I don't, big deal. It's up to me. If I pray, I pray. If I don't pray, that's fine. It's up to me. I was my own master. When you are a slave to sin, you are a slave to do whatever you want to do. Your biggest enemy is yourself. You are the great pope. You're the guy wearing the hat, barking orders. And that's the biggest problem with people. Yeah, you may live a morally good life. I talk to guys, you're all my family. I pay my taxes. Do you do it unto God? Our biggest problem is that we cannot submit to doing it God's way. We go from one master to the next. Verse 21, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap is holiness and it leads to eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now think about this. People get paid every week, every two weeks. Maybe you get a paycheck every month. You get a salary or what have you. You get wages, right? That denotes earnings, things you earn, things you work for. The wages of sin is death. The pay period is at the end of your life. And what do you get? Death. And then you get the second death, the lake of fire, eternal loss. That's what you get, friend, for your life of hard work, for your life of sin, for your life of being your own master. 
But you might ask yourself, well, if I'm a slave to God, how is it the gift of God is eternal life? If I'm working for God, if I'm doing what God says is my master, well, listen, it's a gift because nothing you do for God could ever earn you eternal life. He gives it to you anyway. What you do out of obedience is for your benefit, but it, it doesn't help God any. God doesn't need your obedience. It's more to your benefit than anything. Come on. Third declaration, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Freedom from the devil. Come on. How many of you know the devil's pimping people out there? I hate the devil. And if you feel like you got the devil in you, we'll cast him out tonight. Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Now, freedom from the devil is also like freedom from the world because 1 John 5, verse 19 says this, that the whole world is in control of the evil one. In Luke chapter 4, Satan is tempting Jesus. He says, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world because they're mine to give. He has a whole world system that is counter to the values of God. In 1 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he's called the God of this age because so many in this age and this time we're living in honor him and, and, and obey him as God. They treat him like God when they sin and when they choose their own way. They're really obeying the commands of the devil. Ephesians 2.2 calls him the ruler of the power of the air. They say he's the spirit that is at work in those disobedient people. He's a spirit that's controlling people out there. He's influencing Romans 12, 2, however, says don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. But be transformed in the renewing of your mind. What does freedom from the devil and from the world mean? It means you're not a victim of statistics. The devil set up a world system to set you up for failure, at the very least just to keep you away from God and plummet your soul into hell. Listen, friend. The statistics might say that one out of every two divorces, uh, one out of every two marriages ends in divorce. That doesn't have to be your marriage. If your father was absentee, and there are these statistics that surround children who are fatherless, how oh, they're more prone to juvenile delinquency, teen pregnancy, and the like. Shocking, heartbreaking statistics. But that doesn't have to be our children. We're free from that. We have the ways of God in our life. And we are not to want what the world wants. We are free from the doom and, the desire and, and, and just those things of the world that are bad for us. We might even have a bad economy. And don't we have a bad economy? Look at gas prices, 450 and up right now. And we're feeling it. I'm not saying you, you'll, you'll get out of here scot-free. You might feel the pressure. But watch God take care of you month after month. Come on. Wondering how you got by, but you're in the grace of God. And the Bible says better is a dry crust with peace than a feast eaten in strife. So you may even be poor in a bad economy, but have a house full of peace and have a house full of joy, right? Because we're not subject to the devil's way of doing things. 1 John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. For the... 
things that are of the world are not of the Father. There's a world system that's contrary to the things of God. You must learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And by, by God's help, you can do it. Fourth declaration of freedom. You are free from your own limitations. Say that with me. I am free from my own limitations. Are you a stutterer? Come on. Are you the unpopular kid? Are you, do you have a retainer in your mouth? Are you, or did you get picked last for dodgeball? Does it matter? In Jesus' name, 1 Corinthians one twenty six. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become our wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. It doesn't matter how big or small you were in the world. Friend, we're on equal playing ground before God. Everybody, you have an equal standing before God. If the the President of the United States were to repent, he would be on equal standing. He'd have to get in line with everybody else. Come on. The first will be last, and the last will be first. But the freedom is in this. The freedom is in that we have free access to the power and wisdom of God. As it says here, Christ is our wisdom. James 1.5 says this, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God for wisdom, and he'll give it to him. You have free access to the mind of Christ, to the wisdom of God, to God's way of doing things. Are you in a pickle? Ask God. You don't know no better. You were raised on a turnip truck with the barn door open. You know, you might have gotten straight F's in school, but you can be wiser than than these atheist uh, professors that say there's no God. Have more knowledge on how to live life than these people. Come on. Free access to the wisdom and to the power of God. As it says, he has become our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. We're new creations. And we have an open heaven. Free access to the things of God. Listen, friend, my prayer before I preach to you. I said, God, they don't need me. They need you. If it were just me up here doing my thing, it would mean nothing. I can't do a thing for you, friend. Jesus, I can point you to him. I, I can preach his word and his word will do it. And his Holy Ghost will touch your heart. And we were singing, all I need is one touch for me. One touch will do it, friend. One touch will do it. Hebrews 9.14, our last declaration of freedom is freedom to serve God. Because you are free from religion, because you are free from sin, because you are free from the devil, and because you are free from your own limitations, now you are free to live for God. Hebrews 9, 14. Don't have time to give you the context of it. Just trust me that it's accurate to what this author here is trying to portray. How much more than will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit 
offered himself unblemished to God to cleanse our consciences from the acts that leads to death, that we may serve the living God. Listen, friend, once upon a time, God had a guest list and you were not on it. There was an, an angel bouncer saying, God doesn't know you. You can't get in. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Without Christ, you couldn't please God. Isaiah 64, verse 6 said, Our good deeds before God are like filthy rags. Come on. So you saved the whales? Big deal. I'm going to destroy the whales when I, when I return. Come on. So you raised your family? Listen, every family on earth comes from my name. Come on. We can't impress God. He going to make P. Diddy look like Poe Daddy. Come on. P. Diddy's not even on Jesus' list. Don't let that keep you, friend. And without Christ, you couldn't do anything that matters in eternity. I mean, really, all the, all the good things you could think of, all the good things you could think to do. Everybody wants to live a life of meaning, even unsaved people, even people out there. They want to live a life of meaning. That's why that whole Coney thing was out there, and that lasted a whole two weeks, and people got a little zealous for, for, for this in Uganda, and we need to pray for the people of Uganda. But all these people just got so worked up on Facebook. They got their little Facebook zeal going on. They're Facebook activists because they want meaning and purpose in life. thing is, they... They don't do diddly squat, nor can they do diddly squat that matters. You can be an old lady in a wheelchair, and your prayers can touch heaven and open up heaven. There have been men of God like D.L. Moody and, and Billy Graham, among others, and their ministry was backed by little old widow ladies, come on, that were hunched up in their room praying for those men. That really... People you will never meet have prayed down revival for their cities. doesn't matter who you are. Your prayers can touch heaven. doesn't matter who you are. You could share Jesus Christ with somebody in your workplace or at your school, and it'll change their life forever, and they'll be in heaven instead of hell, and they'll have joy instead of pain forever, and they'll be with God instead of roasting with the devil forever. You couldn't do that without Jesus. Listen, friend. Here's the difference. Just, just to give you a quick, and we're going to pray in a minute and put on some, some good music and pray and all that. You go up to a kid at the lunch table, youth. You go up to a kid at the lunch table. Hey, can I tell you about Deepak Chopra? You got, maybe you guys don't know him. Maybe this is going over your head. He's a new age teacher, okay? And he tells you how to find your inner self. Okay, just a little recap there. So you say, hey, can I tell you about Deepak Chopra? And about how he told you about how you were really God and, you know, it'll make you happier and it'll help you make better choices in life. Come on. What's the difference? Can I tell you about Jesus? How about this? Can I give you four simple ways to make friends and influence people? Or can I tell you about Jesus? Jesus is the deciding factor. Heaven and hell. Eternity lies in the balance. And we have freedom to serve the living God. It says the blood of Jesus who offered himself through the eternal spirit will cleanse our conscience from the acts that lead to death, from those things that kept us from his presence, those things that kept us doing for anything that mattered in his sight. And anybody can be great for God. Everybody stand with me. Praise God. Bird, did I keep it under 30 minutes? Hallelujah. We could just put on some music like Sing by the Crimson Stay. Y'all a response to respond to 
by the crimson stain upon your own. With every nail within it, by every stripe and every bruise upon your back. I can hear you crying Father, I desire that they would be that they would be with me to see my Lord. You took all my shame. You took all my shame and my iniquity. For the sake of freedom, you set me free. Because you made a way. To enter the holy place, you made a way for me. Be honest, yourself and ask God, God, make me honest right now. To enter the holy, you made a way. To enter the holy place, and you made a way for me. To enter the
those that want us to pray for you, please come up to the altar. Jerry and I are going to lay hands to you and pray. Yeah. 
Come on, we need this. We need this beautiful presence. Let transformation come. The freedoms that. This encounter right now. Oh, 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 I feel the joy of the Lord. He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. Come on. When all is your date now with Jesus tonight? I am unaware of these afflictions <laughs> eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. God doesn't look at you differently than no. He doesn't look at you differently from me, from anybody. He has a tremendous love for you. Oh. oh. He's jealous for me. Yes. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree. Bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. All of a sudden, I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me.
misfortune and he is our prize drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes if grace is an ocean we're all sinking heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest I Let Jesus continue just loving on you. I'm going to pray in this mess. We continue doing it. I want to stay in this place because Jesus is here. Father, we ask that you bless us, God. God, speak to us. Continue, Lord God. Just be in this room. I pray that your presence would be like this for the rest of days, Sundays, Fridays. Let it carry out to elevate. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much. God, we love you. Bless all the ones that hear your word. God, thank you that we 
walking out of this room tonight changed. Oh, thank you for coming. God, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.